Thank you, Corey and Linda. Join me in a word of prayer, please. Lord, we thank you today for the opportunity to dive into your word. We pray that as we do that, you would find us receptive, teachable, Lord, and responsive to what you have to say to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I have to tell you that I come to you very sad this morning. Um, I won't mention any names at this particular juncture, but somebody has packed all my favorite shirts, and they are tucked away in a box, but... Here's the thing. Amazon still delivers. So. Uh, when I was living in New England, pastoring a church there, um, uh, there was a big backyard, and, and I thought I'd be adventurous and like put a garden in. I'd never touched a garden tool in my entire life. I'd mowed lawns and all the rest of that stuff, but gardening, growing plants and things, that was not something that I had ever <clears throat> ventured to do. But I thought, well, this is big yard. Might as well give it a shot. There was a guy in the church whose name was Bobby. He's passed away since. A really sweet man. And he would mow the lawn every now and then. And, and uh, I told him about my gardening plan. And he was a big gardener kind of guy. And he said, oh, I'm happy to help you out with that. So I went and got some stuff. I went to the store and got some bags of things that would supposedly grow into other things. And so uh, I think you call them seeds. And uh, I got the, 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 the seeds and I brought them. They were in the garage. And that's where the riding lawnmower was that Bobby would use every now and then to mow the lawn. And so he saw them there one day and he said, oh, okay, great. We've got the seeds. We'll get things going and I'll till up the, 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 the plot and we'll get things rolling. And, and uh, I said, great, thanks so much. And he, he came back about three or four weeks later and to do the lawn again. And he saw that in the garage was still those bags of seeds sitting there. And he had tilled up the, the plot of land. And he said, you know, um, you actually have to plant those sometimes. And that's kind of silly, but I think sometimes that very same mindset reflects our thinking about the issue of growth in the kingdom of God. Well, this morning, we're going to look at a passage in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus sets us straight on that. He's going to tell a little story. We call them parables. And we're going to kind of continue the emphasis that was brought to you last week by Cody and Krista as they gave you their update on their missions endeavor that they're about to set out on. So if this morning there's Bibles in front of you in the pews, Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29, I'm going to read from that um, passage this morning. So I invite you to join me, Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. I don't know if you're aware of this in the body of Christ, and this uh, may be a weird time to talk about this, you know, a few weeks from Pastor Laura and I leaving, but you and I, we have a job to do which is to sow the seed of the message of the kingdom of God that has come to fruition in Christ. We have a job to do, sow the seed. God has a job to do. He grows the seed. But we, you and I, we have that job in verse 26 to sow the seed. This is a thing that is, by the way, expected of believers in Jesus. Pastor Laura read from us the, uh, from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will be my witnesses. Not you might be, not you should be, not you ought to be, not you could be, but you will be 
my witnesses. And somehow we have viewed the business of sharing our faith as optional equipment in the life of a believer. One of the favorite cars I ever owned was a bright red Ford Focus. This car had no power anything except to the engine. The locks, you had to turn the key or push the lock thing down. The doors, you had to open them up. You couldn't push a button. The car I have now, if I walk up to my car and put my hand on the handle to the door, it unlocks itself and I get in. And then the seat magically adjusts to my, you know, physiognomy to get me in the right place. This Ford Focus, none of that. Air conditioning, rolling down the windows. Ford Focus. I love that car. Well... One day I was working uh, for a hospice uh, as a chaplain slash administrator, and our, our CEO came to town. This guy was like a whiz kid. He was like 14, and, uh, and he had this uh, company, which, by the way, his dad gave them to play with. You know. So anyway, that's all aside. But he comes to town, and so the only person around that could pick him up and take him where he needed to go was me in my red Ford Focus that had power nothing. So I picked him up at the airport, and I got him in the car, and got his bags in the back seat and whatnot, and we're starting to cruise down the road. This was in the height of the summer in Massachusetts. It was warm, and it was humid on the two days of summer that Massachusetts has. And he says to me, he says, Howard, can you turn the AC on? I said, sure. You see that handle to the right of you on the door there? If you crank it a couple of times, the AC pops right on. He looked at me like I was from another planet. Well... There are lots of things that are optional equipment on cars. But sharing Christ is not optional equipment in the life of a believer. And in this passage, the farmer represents all of us who are supposed to sow the seed. Now, you and I, we may not be Billy Graham or any contemporary um, high-profile evangelist. But you and I, we do have this mandate, this requirement, not optional equipment, to share about Jesus. And we say, well, I don't know how to do that. Not true. Not true. You and I, we have built-in capacity for sharing good and exciting stuff that happens to us. Let me show you this a couple of ways. The first way is the personal experience kind of way, right? All of you grandmas and grandpas out there, the second that little infant popped into the world, you could not help but share about it. Literally, ask the people that you know how many seconds it took from the time of the arrival of that little one to the time you started sharing about it. Or weddings or promotions. 2004, the Red Sox were on the cusp of extinguishing an 86-year drought from World Series wins. And so in 2004, I stayed up late to watch that last game in the 2004 World Series. I don't even remember who they beat now. doesn't matter. It, the game ended at about midnight. It was out west somewhere. So midnight, East Coast time. Midnight, East Coast time, I picked up the phone, called my dad. And woke him up. And so he hears my voice on the phone at midnight. He goes, what's the matter? What's wrong? Is somebody hurt? What's going on? Is somebody in the hospital? No, Dad. The Red Sox just won the World Series. Seriously? (laughs) Call me tomorrow. Click. 86-year drought. It was good news. Couldn't help but share it. By the way, in the 21st century, the Red Sox have won in 2004, 2007, 2013, and 2018. And the Royals 
Well, there's that 2015 win, but uh, anyway, I do feel badly for you, but not that bad. So from personal experience, you know how to share good news. It is built in. You cannot not share. When something, right? When something good happens to you and people say, could you just keep this quiet for a little while? You, you can't do it. You cannot do it. And then from the Bible, with respect to Jesus, just in the Gospel of Mark, for example, in Mark chapter 5, uh, uh, Jesus healed a man of demon possession, and he wanted to hang out with Jesus, but Jesus sent him home. And when he got home in verse 20, his natural response was to tell other people about Jesus. Later on in Mark chapter 5, a guy named Jairus, his daughter, is sick, and Jesus heals him in verse, heals the daughter, sorry, in verse 43. And Jesus had to order those people present to keep quiet. Jesus was on his own timetable during his incarnation. He was unfolding things the way he needed to unfold them. So he said, keep quiet. And then in Mark chapter 7, verses 31 through 37, Jesus heals a deaf and mute man. And in verse 36, Jesus tries this again. He tries to order the people to keep quiet. But listen, here's what the Bible says. The more he did so, the more he ordered them to keep quiet, the more they kept talking about it. They just couldn't not talk about it. In fact, my observation is we have to suppress this natural inclination we have to share good news. We have to suppress it. And when we are not sharing the good news about Jesus, we are running counter to this built-in reflex we have to share good news. Sometimes we think we're uncomfortable because we might have to share with somebody. My experience, I'm more uncomfortable when I know I should share, but don't share. But what is this that we're sharing? And it's described in this parable as this seed imagery. This seed here is the word of God. Specifically, it's the word of God about Jesus. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter describes it this way. It's imperishable seed. It's a word that stands forever. And what is the ground into which we sow these seeds? It's the human heart. And so this requires personal contact, personal connection. I don't know if you've seen these things advertised yet. I've not yet encountered them on the road, but both FedEx and Domino's are experiencing with robot delivery vehicles to bring their products to people's homes. Because, you know, road traffic isn't complicated enough without having to run into a FedEx robot vehicle. And you know, they're never going to yield the right of way, right? I'm waiting now for the news reports of the Domino's pizza robots getting mugged for their pizza. No personal contact. I mean, what do you say to a robot delivering you pizza? Thanks for stopping by. Do you tip a robot that's bringing you pizza? These are complicated questions and issues we have to deal with. But the human heart, with respect to the context of Jesus, requires personal contact. That's our job, to sow the seed. God's job is to grow the seed, verse 27. And this growth is God's work. It's a bit of a mystery in the power of God to cause this growth. We can see it when it happens. We can describe it, but we cannot make the seeds grow. And Jesus is here in verses 27 and 28 emphasizing the inherent power 
of God's ability to grow the seed of the good news of Jesus Christ in the heart and mind of somebody else, of somebody else. So many stories. You've heard of the Gideons, right? Those guys who come by and bring Bibles, and they talk about bringing Bibles, and, and they do a great ministry of putting Bibles everywhere. You can't hardly go anywhere now without finding a Gideon's Bible, and that's a good thing. But so many stories they have, like the guy who was stranded in a hotel room, the TV wasn't working, he was a fly buzzing around the room, which was irritating him, so he reached into the, the nightstand next to the bed, hoping to find a fly swatter, but instead he found a Gideon's Bible. And because the fly was buzzing and keeping him awake, he decided to read the Bible, found Jesus, and found new life. That's work that God can do. You see what's happening here? The seed was sown because the Gideons put the Bible there. But they didn't grow the seed. God used the seed and grew it himself. And the Bible does some really interesting things here in our passage in Mark 4, in the way it describes it. It says in verse 28, this happens all by itself. In the language of the New Testament, uh, ancient Greek, this is the word automate. Now, this is not automatic in the sense of being unattended by God, but it's without human understanding of how the process is going. Um, Luke uses this word in the book of Acts, chapter 12. Um, There's an episode there where Peter escapes from prison, and as he's escaping from prison, the gate opens by itself. The appearance of no cause, but God at work to make things happen. Now, I'm not a farmer, but I do know this. When farmers plant seeds, they don't necessarily worry about planting them right side up. The seeds figure it out. The stuff grows. And in this parable, as the grain grows, despite all the forces arrayed against it, so too the kingdom of God grows into all that God intends for it, despite outward appearances, despite our inability to explain it, and despite opposition. And note, all of this happens in the normal rhythm of life in verse 27. That's what this this description about the farmer kind of going about his business. That's what that's all about. This is the normal rhythm of life. He sleeps, he gets up. This isn't inactivity. This is the farmer doing what the farmer does while the seed is in the ground and the seed is growing. The farmer's engaged in, in fertilizing, cultivating, nurturing. And so in the body of Christ, it's not that we're on vacation. It's that we're engaged in what is supposed to be, supposed to be, the ordinary life for Christians. Praying, encouraging, meeting needs. And when those opportunities come, opening our mouths and saying something about Jesus. Now, there hasn't been a drought in Kansas over the past few days or weeks. We were driving back from Oklahoma yesterday. The, 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 the fields are incredibly green and rich with color. So there's been no drought lately. But a few years ago, as you know, in the cycle of things and the way they happen, there have been droughts from time to time. And I was listening to the radio several years ago reporting on a drought in the Midwest. And what struck me as I was listening to this radio report was the, the, the narrator's description of the farmers going about their farming stuff. They weren't just going, oh my gosh, there's a drought, we're not going to do anything. They were at it. They were doing the things that they knew they needed to do, even in less than perfect conditions, to try and yield a crop at the end of the season. 
So if you and I are waiting for things to be perfect before we do what we know we've been called to do, then we are making a mistake. We shouldn't let the evil one lure us into defining our faith and a church by any temporary uh, deficiency or any temporary thing that it lacks. We should look around and be aware that no matter what the circumstances of a local church happen to be, God is still engaged in calling us to be people who share the good news about Jesus. Well, what's the big deal? The big deal in this parable is in verse 29, because there is an end coming. The harvest has come. The grand harvest is coming. We need to be asking ourselves, if we are ready for that moment, the Savior is waiting to enter your heart. Why don't you let him come in? There's nothing in this world that can keep you apart. Are we ready? Are the people who are close to me ready? Are the people that God has brought to my way, brought my way ready? Do you remember May 26, 2002? Interstate 40, Weber's Falls, Oklahoma. A bridge collapsed. Do you remember this story? Probably not. Not you, Corey. You were four. Why weren't you paying attention, Corey? I tried. Oh, man. There were Legos. There were Legos. And sore feet, no doubt. Well, the, the captain of a tugboat experienced a blackout, and he lost control of his ship. And the barge he was controlling collided with a bridge support. The result was that a 580-foot section of Interstate 40 plunged into the reservoir that was on the Arkansas River. Fourteen people died. Eleven others were injured when several cars and tractor trailers fell from the bridge. Because here's the thing. It was still kind of dark because it was 745. You know, the sun was just kind of coming up. And the road ahead, the road ahead looked the way it was supposed to look. It looked okay. It looked like the folks could get exactly where they needed to go. But there was a second that came of realization that when they reached the end of that bridge, when the bridge had collapsed and the bridge portions were in the water, they were airborne. And they were literally sunk. You and I, we can be living like we know exactly what's going on and going on in front of us, exactly what's going to happen. The people who are close to us, the people we love and care about, the people that we encounter can be cruising through life thinking that the road ahead is perfectly fine. And so I think we need to ask ourselves, have I shared the good news about Jesus with those people who need to hear it. I don't know about you, but um, I have very vivid memories of 9-11. But my brain's a little weird, as you've probably noticed along the way. No amen from you, Steve. Thank you very much. I have these weird thoughts on 9-12. I wonder on 9-12 what the regrets were of those people who had a relational platform from which to speak with conviction about Jesus to the people who perished on 
See what I'm saying? The missed opportunity that's it's gone. Plane crashes into a building, the building collapses. It's gone. Several years ago, a book was written named Move, M-O-V-E. It was based on a survey that was done called the Reveal Survey. This is a survey of Christian activity in churches on basic elements and measurements of what we would call Christian discipleship, how to, be kind of the, how to do the kind of things that we're called to do. And this is a result from that survey, recorded in that book. The most engaged Christians, most engaged Christians would have just six intentional spiritual conversations with people in a year. Six in a year. That's the most engaged people. At Christmas time, Pastor Laura and I went to a concert in our living room. Uh, Michael W. Smith did a Christmas concert. He's a Christian singer. He's been around for a while, back since before, you know, Corey was born. He's a really good writer and singer. And so we enjoyed his Christmas concert way back in the 1980s, back in the last century. You'll have covered this in history in college, Corey. Um, and he was, Michael W. Smith, he had this like 80s hair thing going, this long wavy hair, you know, thing, crazy things. i slightly envious because I can't really grow hair anymore, at least not on the top of my head. Anyway, he wrote this song. And, the, and the, the, the tagline in the song went like this. One thing I know, everybody's got a seed to sow. One thing I know, everybody's got a seed to sow. So, what are we going to do about that? I know this is a little bit of a weird time to be talking about this, right? Pastor Laura and I are going to be leaving in June and... And you're going to be going through the whole what do we do next kind of stuff. And we'll be praying with you and for you as you do that. And you might be thinking, this is an absolutely stupid time to be talking about sharing faith in Jesus and in the church. We should be thinking about structural things and process things and procedure things. Pastor Howard, what is going on in your brain? Few people know what's going on in my brain. And I am among that crowd. But here's the thing. No matter what. This call, one thing I know, everybody's got to see to sow. This is a constant. This is not a function of what's happening in the life of the church. This is not a function of what's happening in our personal experience. This is not a function of whether there's a pandemic or not. This is not a function of anything circumstantial or external. This is a function of basic understanding of the people that God has called us to be in Christ. One thing I know, everybody's got to see to sow. So here I'm going to give you an assignment. Because we're going to talk about this a little bit more next week. Because why not? Here's the assignment. I want you to talk about with Jesus with six people. Just kidding. But here, here's the actual assignment. I want you to remember three letters. P-R-I. Can you remember three letters between now and next Sunday? Can you do that? Some of you are wondering... Write it down if you have to. I'm okay with that. Go back and listen to the podcast later. What were those three letters? What were those three letters? They are P-R-I. Remember those three letters. We're going to talk about that next, next week. Because one thing I know, everybody's got to see this. So pray with me. 
Father, we thank you this morning.